Mac Jones is ripped. Matt Patricia is calling plays. The Celtics are title favorites. And The Ringer has a new Boston show. I'm Brian Barrett, host of Off the Pike, the show covering all things Boston sports. I'll have shows multiple times a week covering your favorite teams and with your favorite Ringer and local guests. Plus, maybe Bill will stop by to rant about the Sox. Follow Off the Pike with me, Brian Barrett, now on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. Welcome to the Scramble on the Ringer NFL feed. I'm Shiel Kapadia, coming to you every Thursday with a guest. And we get a, a repeat guest, one of my favorites, my friend, the Ringer's own, Danny Kelly. DK, how are we doing? I'm doing excellent. How are you? Good. I, I'm in mode of like, all right, week 13, I start looking at schedules. I'm like, when you can name a team's like remaining opponents, that's a good time in the NFL season. It, <laughs> it means like, all right, you're getting to playoff time. You though, I mean, you go straight into draft mode. So you're just like around the clock, 12 months a year football guy. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's just, uh, I'm starting to try and figure out like the top 50, top 75. Um, so I can start kind of trying to connect some of these players to the teams going forward. We're starting to have a little bit better idea of what the draft order is going to look like who's going to be picking in the top 10. So exciting times, exciting times. It is going to be a fun draft with all those trades from the previous years and the teams actually picking in the top 10 that they're not their actual picks. It's going to be fun, no doubt about it. We will look at all your draft content, the rest of us. We don't have to do all the homework. We can just look (laughs) look at your draft content today. We're looking at week 13. I was thinking about what to do. I was like, oh, some rest of season. And I looked at the slate and I'm like, this slate's awesome. There there are great games on the week 13 slate. So we're going to focus on the games this weekend. And here's what we're going to do. We're going to make some predictions. We're going to make some predictions about what are people going to be talking about Monday morning? You know, it's a a race (laughs) to get your takeoff Monday morning. What are you going to say? How how are you going to view what happened during uh, Sunday's action? And so we're going to look ahead. Listen, we're two old wise men. So if you don't want spoilers, (laughs) turn the podcast off because we're probably going to nail a bunch of these we can see into the future. But that's it. We're each going to pick three. Uh, We're going to talk about them as a way to preview the weekend, and then we'll hit some mailbag questions, as always, at the end. So, Danny, you're the guest. Start right. us off. What's one thing we're going to be talking about Monday morning? I think one topic of discussion on Monday is going to be 
Mike White might really be the answer in New York. If, mm. and, I, and I don't, I'm not necessarily predicting that the Jets are going to win. I'm just thinking if they do win, if they beat this 9 2 Vikings team on the road, Mike White's legend is going to like be established. <laughs> he, this kid, this guy is going to be like a New York legend already, I feel like. Um, I think like the big question here is not, it's not even if Zach Wilson's the answer. It's like if Zach, if Zach, or sorry, if Mike White is the answer. That's like really my question here is like, Maybe they just had this guy on, on the roster as like the backup and he's actually going to be the starter for the future. Um, the way that he plays, the way he distributes the football. Uh, I don't know. I can just see the Jets kind of talking themselves into this. What do you think of this? Yeah, I think it could be one of those seasons where I, I, you know, I don't think the Jets are going to win the Super Bowl this right. year. But sometimes you just want a fun season where like 10 years from now, Jets fans will be like, oh, my, you know, remember when Mike White went on that run <laughs> in like December right. and maybe we got to the divisional round and it was a really fun season because you had all the Zach Wilson stuff earlier. That's kind of how I view it. And really, the the thing with this Jets team has been like. And, and I think we've discussed this, you know, last time you were on, it's like the pieces are in place for the quarterback to succeed on this yeah. team. You you kind of need this quarterback to not hold the team back, just be competent. Like you don't need Patrick Mahomes. And just looking at the numbers, I know it was the Bears last week and the Bears might be the worst defense uh, right. in the NFL right now after the trades they made. But uh, if you just look at it, it was the Jets, Jets best offensive performance uh, in terms of like EPA per drive of the last two years. And it was yeah. their best quarterback performance uh, EPA per pass play of the last two years. So it's like, I hear what you're saying. It's like, just distribute the ball, get rid of it, avoid the negative plays. You've got Garrett Wilson. You've got Elijah Moore. Uh, I think Michael LaFleur is really good and really is like a quarterback friendly offensive coordinator. And I kind of agree yes. with you. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they did win this game. That that Vikings defense, like their their philosophy is just like give up a bunch of completions and maybe we'll get a turnover or a sack yep. or like something will fall in our favor. But their pass defense is 27th in DVOA. Opponents are completing almost 70% of their passes against them. So I kind of feel like he's in position to, you know, sometimes the guy gets in, he has a great first week and comes back down to earth. <laughs> and that'll probably happen at some point, but sure. it might not happen this week. Yeah. I mean, and so like, if you look at the way he plays, you, you're exactly right. He is a low A dot. Like he, he doesn't necessarily push the ball down the field a ton, Mike White. Um, he's just a facilitator and, and I, you nailed it. He has like few negative plays, which is kind of the exact opposite of Zach Wilson. You know, he doesn't try and yeah. do too much. He gets the ball out something like 36% of his attempts so far. I've gone to running backs in, in the four, in the five games he started for the jets going back to last year, 36 go to running backs, 36%. Um, wow. so he's, he's definitely like willing and able to check it down. Um, obviously like Robert Salas talked a lot about sort of his demeanor. He's very calm and cool collected. Um, the team seems to really have a lot of confidence in him, which obviously matters a lot. Um, I don't know. To me, it's like maybe someday he's in this like Jimmy G mode where like or, or like that zone where I think probably some fans are like, we got to get a replacement. The team is like, hey, we can win with this guy. We have a good defense. We got a good running game. That's maybe like his ceiling. Um, but I, I'm just kind of interested to see how this goes. He's, you know, in, in five games, he has eight touchdowns, eight picks, 88 rating. Um, lots of eights there. You know, it's like obviously not great numbers. Um, yeah. But when he had that game last week, um, very good game against the Bears. Then you go back last year, he had a 405-yard passing performance against the Bengals. You know, he's got two really, really good games, you know, mixed yeah. in with some like there's one really bad game. He had four picks against the Bills. Um, and then just like some some mediocre games in there. So 
Um, I don't know. I'm just excited to see what he does. Like, I think the big thing is he just gets the ball to his playmakers. He's, he obviously knows where his bread is buttered and throws the ball to Garrett Wilson a lot. Uh, maybe they'll get Elijah Moore more involved this week. But yeah, I mean, it, I'm just kind of like intrigued with this Mike White story. Yeah, I'm intrigued by that game, no doubt about it. And Mike, I mean, the thing that's like uncomfortable to say, like you could just, the whole team could see that the quarterback was holding them back and they were frustrated. And like, you just couldn't keep going. I mean, you could have kept going down that path. Like there's a scenario where Zach Wilson (laughs) comes out and is like, I'm not playing well. I got to be bet and says all the right things. And everyone's like, okay, you know, let's, let's rally behind this guy. But he just didn't, he didn't have it. I mean, I mean, maybe one day he will, maybe this will be good for him uh, long-term in his career. But like, think about it. If you're a Jets fan, like you're not that like, you have a season where you can have a play, uh, watch a playoff game. Exactly. You know, like other fan bases take that for granted because that that like happens often. That doesn't happen for Jets fans. And so, if you can have a season where you can actually be there on Wild Card Weekend and like get together with your friends or go to the game or family or whatever and sit on the couch and be like, "This is really exciting. We're in the playoffs." Like that's a meaningful part of the fan experience. And uh, you know, me, yeah. if they win this week, um, you know, they'll be closer to doing that. So I'm with you. That's a good one to start us off. We're, I guess this is like a partially a Jets podcast because my first one (laughs) (laughs) is also about this Jets Vikings game. Jets are three and a half point underdogs going to Minnesota. I think that on Monday morning, somebody's going to, maybe it'll be me who will have the take. I mean, we're doing the podcast ahead of time. Uh, The take will be Sauce Gardner belongs in the defensive player of the year conversation. I didn't say defensive rookie of the year conversation. I said defensive player of the year uh, conversation. He's already, you know, barring something totally unforeseen, he's going to be the defensive rookie of the year, but... I mean, he's been awesome. He he has been, mm-hmm. he has passed every day. I mean, he's physical. The personality is awesome. He can play zone. He can play man. He can tackle. He can cover. He can do it all. And he's got this matchup with Justin Jefferson. And I'm not telling you he's going to shut <laughs> Justin Jefferson down. <laughs> I don't think anybody does that. I would be nuts to even think that. But there are going to be reps probably where he's one-on-one with Justin Jefferson. And can you just see like a, one of those next-gen stats graphics like, you know, Justin Jefferson when shadowed by some Sauce yes. Gardner, three three catches for 38 yards or something. Yes. Like, oh my gosh. Uh, and, um, you know, and, and he's on the team where, you know, Jets fans, are, we just talked about, are starving for like good things to happen. And he's kind of their guy this year. I was looking up some of the numbers on Pro Football Focus. And, and I mm. think some coverage stats are a little wonky. So I, I just narrowed there's it down to There's a lot of variables. Man, yeah. 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 There's a lot of variables. So I just narrowed it down to man coverage because that's okay. you know easier to look at. Uh, Sauce Gardner has played 100 snaps of man coverage this year. On those snaps, this is, this is wild. I double-checked it, I swear. Now, <laughs> opposing quarterbacks have gone four for 15 for seven yards when targeted. Seven. Four for 15 for seven yards. That's the whole year? That's the whole year. Wow. Yeah, that's incredible. Yeah, there's some, you know, single high looks where you're playing zone and it's kind of man. He's given up plays, no doubt about it. But uh, when it's when it's straight man coverage, according to their charting, those have been his numbers. He hasn't allowed a completion of more than five yards in those man coverage snaps. And he's had six pass breakup. So like basically Jeez. everything in terms of man coverage, he's near the top of the NFL. I mean, you were scouting him at this time mm-hmm. last year. Like, has he exceeded uh, your expectations? Has he been what you thought he would be coming into the league? 
Uh, I mean, I he's exceeded him. I mean, I, I he was my top-ranked corner. I think he was my third-ranked player overall or fourth, something like that. I definitely expected him to be really good. But like any time a corner comes into the NFL and puts up those kind of like shut-down numbers immediately, um, I think you have to say that's pretty shocking, like for any player, literally. So um, yeah, and this is funny because it just reminds me of, you know, scouting him coming into the NFL, like it was kind of difficult to project because he just never, like teams didn't target him. Like he just was over on that side and the, and the quarterbacks were like, we're not even going to bother throwing to his <laughs> yeah. direction because we know how good he is. Um, and we just like, don't even want to have to deal with that. We're just going to attack somewhere else. And that was like kind of what made the evaluation a little bit tricky is just like they, he didn't have a ton of targets, like, um, you know, especially in like man coverage. And so, yeah, that, that is shocking. That's a really good stat. I mean, to me, it's it's kind of funny to think about. Uh, you know, Sus Gardner is sort of the Justin Jefferson of cornerbacks, like long, Ooh, kind I of like, like spindly guy, super swaggy. Um, you know, extremely, extremely good, like cra- crazy body control, uh, good yeah. length. Yeah, it's kind of like he's like the the counterpart on defense for Justin Jefferson, maybe. I love that. that that's per- yeah, you're right. Their personalities, you can you can kind of see it between the <laughs> yeah. two of them. They both Kate just came into the league and like they were great in college. They came into the league and just sort of took the league by storm right away. Like there was no doubt whether the guy was going to be uh, a great player or not. Which, like you said, I mean that's rare uh, for cornerback especially. And for wide receiver, I think sometimes even we overrate how easy it is to come in. I mean, more guys have done it recently, but what Jefferson did right away uh, was wild. So yeah, we'll see. I mean, listen, maybe Jefferson could cook him. I mean, Jefferson is awesome. So this could (laughs) could look like a very stupid prediction um, because I'm not counting Jefferson out against anybody, but that's like a must-see matchup uh, this weekend. And and if he plays well there, I think there'll be some buzz. Obviously, Micah Parsons is the favorite, but I really look at Sauce Gardner and even Quinn and Williams, like both those guys, you could have them in the conversation for defensive player of the year. I mean, those two have been playing awesome this year for the Jets. All right. What do you have for your second one? All right. So number two here. And again, this kind of depends on who wins, but I'm just, I'm picking the, I'm picking the commanders to win over the giants this week. And I think if they do, they're going to be the new, like fashionable sleeper in the NFC, the, the, the sleeper team of the NFC. So Number one, the defense is coming together for, for the commanders. Last year, I think it was like they have so much talent. And I remember going into last year, I expected this defense to be like a shutdown defense. And it just didn't come together for whatever reason. There's just, again, there's a lot of variables on defense. That's why, you know, there's a lot from year to year. Defense is hard to predict. It's just like, you know, it's like from a DVOA point of view, offense is much more predictable. Defense, on the other hand, is there's just a ton of variables. This year, it seems to be coming together. They're 10th in, in weighted DVOA this year on defense. Things are starting to sink. Jonathan Allen's been a stud. Montez Sweat quietly having a great season. They might get Chase Young back here pretty soon. And then offensively, kind of plucky. I mean, I don't know if I would necessarily say this is like a great offense, but it's good enough. It's it's kind of actually similar to the Jets. Like it's good enough yes. to support what is the foundation of the team, like a good, strong defense. Like their, their offense can do enough things. Taylor Heineke... Is he's got enough like all the cliche like moxie. He's willing to push the ball down the field. He's he probably thinks he's better than he actually is, which you always love confidence in a quarterback. Um, I was thinking of like, I was like, he's like a point guard, but then if like that point guard was Jason Williams, like you know, remember back in the day, like the guy, <laughs> yeah, the, oh yeah, the guy that was just like, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, he's kind of like that, that 
category of point guard. He's got a little bit of swag. He's super confident. He doesn't have the, the physical talent necessarily to back up that confidence, yeah. but um, I think he can do enough in the offense to like keep it going. They have good players. Their run game is getting better. Brian Robinson seems like he's really hitting his stride. Antonio Gibson, honestly, has been better than I expected him to be this year. I think his role as like sort of a hybrid pass catcher running back is they've kind of found like a good role for him, I think. Um, and so, yeah, this this commander's team, I don't know. They kind of like have me intrigued going forward. What do you think? They, they sort of seem like that team a couple of years ago that was seven and nine and won the division where you, but then they gave the Bucks like a, a great game. Remember, I think it was a, was a Saturday <laughs> night game or something where it was like, wow, they're actually uh, playing really well. So I, yeah, I don't think they're a great team. Uh, I agree with you on defense. Yeah. The, the defensive stuff has been like the last two, two years ago, they had a great defense. Last year, they fell to a terrible defense mm-hmm. and a lot of it was like third and fourth down variants, I think. And then this year right. you're like, all right, They'll probably settle in somewhere in between. I guess that's kind of what's happened. But you're right. They have uh, played well. The front has played well. Their corners and their safeties are kind of like they're feisty. It's not like, you know, names that you would be like, all right, like a sauce garden or anything. But uh, they're competitive. They play really hard. I know just watching the film of the two times they've played the Eagles, I was kind of like, all right, they they compete and play uh, really hard. St. Juiced had like this. I remember this great play where he got beat. Uh, I think it was by Quez Watkins, but he just like hustled his butt down the field and had a forced fumble like after a 50-yard completion. Uh, yeah, yeah. Watching the film, I'm like, wow, he really did not give up on that play. So they have that kind of personality. I, I feel like one of these weeks, they're going to come back down to earth a little. I, I, you know, you're, you're sure. right about Heineke. He's got, in, in Ringer uh, language, he's got the irrational confidence. There's no <laughs> doubt about it. Right. Like I agree with what you said. They They kind of... You look at the supporting pieces and you're like, yeah, if they had like a Mike White type, you know, that's what he's not. He sort of has more of a Zach Wilson playing personality, but (laughs) it's worked out for him more. You know, like he is Mm -hmm. anything can happen every time he touches the ball uh, type player where he's just he's not afraid. Uh, It could be a terrible play. It could be a great play where you're like, wow, that's unbelievable. So he's sort of a high variance player where I feel like one of these weeks he'll probably throw, you know, three interceptions or have three turnovers. (laughs) And they'll lose. And uh, this matchup is interesting because I think this is the first week the commanders have had better playoff odds than the Giants. They kind of jumped them this week after the Giants lost on Thanksgiving and Washington uh, beat the Falcons because uh, Arthur Smith put the ball in Marcus Mariota. I couldn't believe it, uh, that play. (laughs) But anyway, that's an aside. But Brian Robinson did look good last week. You're right. I thought that was like, um, you know, close to the best he's Mm -hmm. looked. I mean, he was breaking tackles. He was running hard. He was physical. uh, And they've got the wide receivers, obviously, and and their offensive line has held up well. So uh, we'll see. I'm not fully on board. Like, I'm not in like Kevin Durant mode on board with the commanders. He tweets about them every week, right? The the Manders, (laughs) Manders won again or whatever. Uh, He said, so they're two and a half point favorites. It's a weird scheduling quirk where they play the Giants and then I think they have a bye and then they play the Giants again. So like their next two oh, games are against. Yeah, that's random. Uh, yeah, uh, are against the Giants. So we'll see. Uh, I'll be curious. Uh, I picked the Giants in this game, but I it's I just feel like it's a toss up game. I feel like there's not mm-hmm. a lot uh, separating these two. But you're right. I mean, if they win again, I think that'll be something like what seven of eight or something. They've had a couple three game winning streaks, so uh, they've definitely positioned themselves to be in the playoff mix. Where I did not think that was going to happen after the first four, five, six weeks of the season. All right, I'm going to stick in the NFC East. I think on Monday morning there will be a take that. The Dallas Cowboys are the team to beat in the NFC. Now, 
Usually over the Eagles. Okay. Over the Eagles. So I, I picked the Eagles to lose. If you're an Eagles fan listening to this, you should be happy because I've picked pretty much every Eagles game wrong this year uh, against the spread. <laughs> so don't yell at me. Thank me uh, for doing that. But uh, I kind of like the Titans in that matchup. You know, the Titans coming off a loss. Their defense is really good. They're so physical on offense. They can run the ball. They can muddy up the game kind of. And yeah. so um, I, I picked the Titans to win that game. And if the Titans win that game, it's really interesting, the NFC East race, because Titans win that game and then the Cowboys are 10 and a half point favorites against the Colts. So it would be like a stunner if they lost that game. So they would right. cut the lead to one game where the Eagles would be 10 and two and the Cowboys would be nine and three. And they've got this matchup on Christmas Eve in Dallas, where basically if that, that could be for the division. I mean, Dallas would win a lot of the tiebreakers, most of the tiebreakers if they win that game on Christmas Eve. And so it's this weird scenario where you, you're either going to be the first seed or the fifth seed because you're in the same division. You know, it's not like yeah, you're falling yeah. from one to two or one to three. It's like whoever loses the division is the fifth seed. And now instead of having a bye and two home games to get to the Super Bowl, you're talking about three road games to get to the Super Bowl. So uh, usually the hype kind of outweighs the reality with the Cowboys. I don't think that's the case this year. I mean, they look they look very complete to me. They can run it with, uh, you know, Pollard and Zeke. They can throw yep. it with Dak. Uh, they can rush the passer, obviously, with Micah Parsons. There's probably going to be some Mike McCarthy nonsense at some point here. So uh, <laughs> that, you always sure. have to guard guard Give against it. that. But yeah, I feel like there's gonna this going to be a week where there's a lot of like, all right, Cowboys are legit um, Super Bowl contenders type buzz happening. What, I can what see are that. your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I, especially, like you said, if the Eagles can't take care of business. The Eagles, it's been interesting because since they lost that game, and kind of, I, I know that like there was sort of this feeling, or at least A.J. Brown said it, like getting the the undefeated monkey off their back. Like, no, they don't have to talk about that anymore. Um, I feel like they haven't looked like quite the same juggernaut, obviously, as they did early on in the season. Yeah. Maybe that's just, you know, coming out against uh, the Packers last week a little bit flat. They gave up a bunch of points. Um you know, they did end up winning the game, which is, of course, the most important part. But like, to me, it's just like, I, I remember texting with with my buddies, like the, the Eagles just don't look quite as like solid and strong as they did early on in the season. Um, you know, I think their their passing game has been a little hit or miss at times. Um, and so like that, to me, makes this matchup against the Titans very interesting because the Titans are just like so shut down good against the run. And so they're yeah. going to try and, I guess, like force Jalen Hurts to do his thing through the air. So that's good. That's an interesting matchup. And then, yeah, like you said, with the lions or sorry, with the, with the Cowboys, I should say, um, you know, they just kind of look like the most complete team right now. Dak is playing really, really well. You know, like you said, the run game has the thunder and lightning. It's like every coach's dream to have like that Zeke, Zeke Pollard, thunder and lightning thing going on. Um, so they, you know, they can do a lot of different things on the ground and then, you know, CD lamb, uh, you know, it seems like Michael Gallup is starting to hit his stride a little bit more. So yeah, they're they're definitely a complete team. I like this one. Where where do you like as the OBJ uh, team? I guess the three teams he's visiting, I think, are the Bills, Giants, and Cowboys. I kind of don't like really love any of that. I mean, you mentioned it. No. I guess the Cowboys, if you can add another wide receiver and he looks good, but I don't know. It's the old "there's one ball to kind of go around" type thing. The Bills. I'm like, do the Bills really? 
need him? Uh, I, I don't know. You know, <laughs> um, sort of like if, if Josh Allen's healthy, their offense looks fine. And the, I, the Giants could definitely use him. But is it like, yeah, I want to go, uh, you know, play for this Giants team for a month when they might or might not make the playoffs? Yeah. Do you have like a, a strong feeling about where you would like um, to see him land? I mean, I, I think obviously the Cowboys thing probably like from a storyline perspective makes the most sense, yeah. like for whatever. But like to me, if I'm the Cowboys, I don't know if I really want to deal with like the like you said, the, there's only one ball to go around. I don't know if I really want to deal with like because like, you know, he's always been demanding of the football and in, in, in like a good way sometimes. But also that can like kind of mess with the chemistry um, when it comes. To, I think he probably makes more sense for the Bills. If I'm being honest, like. I'm still trying to figure out how good Gabe Davis, Gabriel Davis is. I think he's yeah. he plays a good role. Like he's a take the top off the defense, deep guy. Um, but like I'm still trying to figure out like if he can be a consistent, like down to down, you know, that kind of receiver that's really gonna be, you know, there for the offense on third downs kind of deal. Um, and that to me is kind of like where they need him the most. And I don't really have I think Isaiah McKenzie is an explosive player and he's like a good player, but you know, he's a role player. And so to me, having a guy opposite Diggs like like Beckham, where you can win uh, on third downs, you can use him in the red zone as like a jump ball specialist or whatever. Like obviously, he was really good for the Rams last year in the red zone. Um, to me, he just makes more sense for the Bills. I, 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 I yeah, you know, he, he makes sense for both teams. Really, I don't think he's probably going to sign with the Giants at this point. That would be my guess. Yeah. But, so to me, it's the Cowboys and the Bills. But of course, I've been wrong before. So who knows. You could really, now that as you were saying it, I'm like, all right, I could kind of talk myself into any of them now that I think about it. I mean, you know, if the Cowboys are in 11 personnel with three wide receivers, I mean, the goal is always to just make yourself as hard as possible sure. to defend. Yeah. And, you know, he fit in with the Rams when he got there uh, last year and they had Cooper Cup. And so you have a like potent passing attack and the Bills, same time. I mean, the Bills passed the ball so much. I would imagine playing with Josh Allen would be pretty fun uh, for Absolutely. any yeah. wide receiver. And yeah, the Giants. I mean, it would just be like, all right, if you want to pile up some targets here and maybe <laughs> get into the playoffs, I could see that. But that doesn't feel like it would be the best uh, situation for him. So we'll see where he ends up. All right. What is your third thing that we're going to be talking about Monday morning? So this is I don't know if this is more just like a narrative thing. This is less to do with the playoffs and everything. But like, here's my take that people are going to be talking about on Monday. Trevor Lawrence is here to save quarterbacking. Ooh, I think quarterback play has been clearly down this year like there's just been um you know across the board quarterbacks have struggled to push the ball down the field like efficiency's down um passing is down in general running is starting to kind of like take hold again against these two high defenses the way that defenses are playing i think obviously the top tier of quarterbacks is still playing well but when you have guys like russell wilson really struggling matt stafford has struggled and now he's probably done for the season uh aaron Rodgers not in MVP form anymore. You've got like the old guard, Tom Brady even like has, yeah. I think Brady's still playing well, but like their offense just hasn't really clicked as much as you think it would. Um, when you have the old guard kind of like struggling and the, and the next generation also kind of struggling, like last year's draft class, uh, or sorry, two years ago, Trevor Lawrence, sorry, now I'm losing track of the timeline. Was Trevor Lawrence was a rookie last year? Last year, last year, yeah. <laughs> I know. It's, I can it's never been a long a season. <laughs> um, sorry, yes, Trevor Lawrence. So like the the 2022 class, like Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, I think is he's starting to come on really strong, but now he's hurt. Um, obviously, Zach Wilson has been benched. Uh, Trey Lance is injured. The next yeah. generation, the the like the quarterback, and then the year before that, I think you know you're still seeing like ups and downs. I think that just like the quarterback. Um, the future of the quarterback position, I think, is still kind of in flux. 
And so that's why we've seen a lot of like struggles from the quarterbacks this, this year. And so, again, this is sort of a narrative thing, but like if Trevor Lawrence comes out, balls out again, plays, beats the Lions, the Lions defense is definitely right for the picking. Um, you know, maybe then he's going to, Trevor Lawrence is going to kind of establish himself as like what he, we thought he was when he was drafted, like this like generational prospect. I'm not saying necessarily one game, one win against Lions is going to make that, but like combining that with the outstanding comeback performance last week, um, coming out and like playing really sharp, beating the Lions, like to me, that's going to really like help his standing and sort of just like the opinion of him, um, you know, going forward. So I'm excited to see kind of like what the narratives around Trevor Lawrence are, if he can win and beat the Lions and play sharp. Yeah, it, it felt like something we sort of wanted or needed just as a, whether you're fan media just for the league, it's, you know, like Trevor Lawrence sucking would have sucked. You know, it's like, yes. oh my gosh. The, you know, the and, NFL needs him to be good, like for real. Yeah. Yeah, you you want him to be uh, to be good there. He had the horrible experience with Urban Meyer last year. You're mm-hmm. kind of like this is unfair uh, to be put in that situation. The Jaguars have just had so many losing seasons over the last decade. So uh, that was like a feel good moment for sure last yeah. week when the fourth quarter. I felt like like I had a take a few weeks ago where I was just like. I want to see, like, he leaves me wanting more. Like, it's not Mm -hmm. that he's playing poorly. He's playing fine. He's competent, but it sort of felt robotic. It felt like he was, you know, the coaches were hammering home, like, hey, you don't always have to, like, make a play or, you know, take the check. Like, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, everything was what was on the chalkboard. And I'm like, this guy has, like, pretty special talent. Like, sometimes it's okay to just be like, you know, go Josh Allen mode and just be like, don't worry, I've got this. That's what I wanted to see more of. And I thought last week in the fourth quarter, it was a situation where they're losing to the Ravens and it's just like, you have nothing to lose. Like you got to make plays or you're going to lose the game. And he was, and and they're in hurry up, you know? And so I I don't know if it's less thinking or if I'm just making up a narrative, but it felt like he was kind of just willing to cut it loose. And you look at some of those throws and you're like, okay, that's, yes, that is the guy we thought we were getting when he entered the league. And he was so good in that fourth quarter. And there were like a couple of mistakes in there. Like he fumbled the one time they recovered. He had a near interception. And like, I always think about that. Like, shoot, if the Ravens would have just recovered that fumble, (laughs) we're having a totally different conversation. But like, that's okay. Like I would, I would almost want their coaching staff to at this point in his development, be like, it's okay to make some mistakes. If you think you can make a play, make a play. Cause I feel like he's been, uh, I'm talking about, both sides of my mouth because he had those horrible red zone interceptions, which obviously you don't want those. So it's always a fine line. But at the same time, I want him to let his talent show and be willing to make some of those throws that other quarterbacks can't make, which uh, he was willing to do last year. I was looking, he's now all the way up to eighth in EPA per pass play among starting quarterbacks. So he's really made a nice leap and it feels like they're a team that could like, they're not, they're not going to make the playoffs, but it feels like they're one of those teams that could really play well down the stretch where then we're talking about next season. And it's like, Hey, the Jags mm-hmm. like have something to build on uh, here. So I like they that one. Calvin a lot. Ridley. Lo- they get Calvin Ridley yeah. and then they probably draft a guy like a, a receiver. Maybe that passing game starts to really take off. Yeah. Um, yeah. Again, like to me, this is more, you said it like he, he has felt, I think in the past that like, I need to put this team on my back at times. And so he makes these like, kind of wild decisions of where to go with the football. And it's led to like, especially last year, it led to like a lot of turnovers that you kind of wouldn't really expect from him, but he didn't have a ton of talent around him. Now I feel like he's getting to the point where it's start, you're starting to see him elevate the guys around him. Like Zay Jones, he's made into like yeah. a high volume, like playmaker over the last few weeks. And that's awesome to see. And so, um, 
Yeah, I, I, to me, it's more just narrative and feeling good about where the NFL is going with the quarterback position. Because like I said, I, I didn't even get all get to all the players. Like, I didn't even mention Mac Jones, who's really struggled. Like, we don't know really what his future is. The 2020, right. I meant to say the 2021 class. The 2022 class is still definitely up in the air. Um, obviously, with, you know, Kenny Pickett is the only guy that's actually playing. Um, and, you know, I think he's looked good at times. He's looked really bad at times. The book is definitely still like the jury's still out on him. So um, I think yeah. we just, I, to me, in just my mind, we need some, we need like a quarterback to like really start showing out and being like the next, you know, like add to like the Justin Herberts of the world. You know, two has obviously been really good this year too. So that, that makes things better and, and like the quarterback position as a whole stronger. But um, I don't know. I would feel better about like the future of offense if Trevor Lawrence really finishes strong. And I'm hoping that's what we see. Yeah, I think he's got a chance uh, this week. I like the Jaguars uh, in that game at Detroit. That's like a low-key fun game. Like, there's not really playoff implications, but... It's going to be high scoring, I think. Yeah, Yeah. I want to watch that game and see what happens in in that game. It's not going to... The Lions play uh, pretty entertaining games almost every week, win or lose. And uh, the Jaguars, too, they've had seven one-score games uh, this year. They're two and five in those one-score games. All right, my last one. I think we're going to be saying Mike McDaniel definitively is the coach of the year. Eh, Could be wrong on this one. Let's see. But the Dolphins go to San Francisco. Really fun, big-time matchup uh, Mm -hmm. to face the 49ers. Just fun on so many levels. I mean, the big thing is Tua and that offense going up against the 49ers defense. Like, the Dolphins offense, I was looking at this. If you isolate just the snaps with Tua, like take away when they were playing Bridgewater and Skylar Thompson and just look at EPA per play, they've had the best offense in the NFL, better than the Kansas wow. City Chiefs who are like running away with it uh, compared to every other team. So, uh, and it passes the eye time. I mean, every week you watch them and you're like, all right, they scored 30 again. Oh, there's red zone. Look, they're in the red, you know, the red zone channel flashes to them. Oh, there's the Dolphins in the red zone or there's Tyreek Hill yep. on a 40 uh, yard bomb or Jalen Waddle or, you know, uh, Tua just hitting somebody in the middle of the field off play act. Like it just yep. uh, every week they've looked unstoppable. Now their schedule, they've played the Texans, the Browns and the Bears the last three weeks, which, <laughs> listen, you, you have to play who's on your schedule, right. but those are three of the worst defenses uh, in the NFL. And so now you get a top five defense in the 49ers. I think uh, Eric Armstead might be returning for San Francisco. They're coming off that shutout uh, against the Saints. They're really mm-hmm. well coached. And so um, I'm just so excited to see how this matchup plays out but like I don't know I've gotten to the point where I'm like I'm not gonna bet against the Dolphins offense and man if they go to San Francisco and like uh pupil beats the the mentor know, right? in Ky- Kyle Shanahan <laughs> I don't even know if that was the exact relationship they <laughs> obviously work together they're not there's not like a huge age gap I don't think be- between right. them maybe maybe there is but uh I think that would be fun and I think I the halfway point of the season I had uh Pete Carroll as my coach of the year, but I was like eyeing McDaniel, like, all right, if things go south to the Seahawks, uh, I'm going to go with McDaniel at the end of the year. And I think he's got a chance to generate uh, a lot of that buzz with a win here. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's matchup wise, like the fact that the Niners have so many good players, like in the middle of their defense and like, maybe they can contend with kind of like how, how the, Dolphins love to attack the middle of the field. Like to it, it feels very comfortable just throwing over the middle of the field. Like he, Hits his back foot, snaps it off. Like he just like launches passes right into there. He's not afraid to attack, um, you know, tight coverage in, in that area. So yeah, this is such a fun matchup. And I, the one thing I do worry about, like I haven't heard the latest. It is now Thursday morning. Um, 
Teron Armstead. I'm not sure if he's yes. going to play or not. I think that could be a big factor in this game. Yeah. Uh, if he doesn't play, that could worry me a little bit just with like the force uh, or the strength of, of the 49ers defensive line. Like that could really kind of muddle things up for them and make it a lot harder. But, you know, at the end of the day, like honestly, Tua's gotten rid of the ball so quickly this year that like the offensive line, it's, I'm not going to say it doesn't matter, but like he can mitigate some of the issues on the offensive line just by getting the ball out really quickly. He's been very decisive. Um, his processing speed, which I loved when he was in college, is showing up again. Um, you know what I mean? And so, like, all, all those things matter. I think this was... I feel good about some of my predictions from the offseason because I remember coming into the year, I was like, man, I'm so excited to see what the Dolphins can do. Like On this last podcast, year, I think we had a, we had an episode, and I remember, yeah, you your thing was like, I'm excited about the Dolphins. I couldn't have yeah. been more wrong uh, about anything. <laughs> that, well, the Dolphins, the Seahawks, Russell Wilson, all right, there were a few things. I'll admit it. You guys listen, so I can't lie now. But yeah, no, I, when I was writing, when I was prepping for this show, I was like, oh, I remember, Danny, when we did the preseason show, you were all, you were pumped about the Dolphins. I was just like, like theoretically, the Dolphins offense was super exciting. So I guess it's kind of cool to see it all come together. And, and again, like what I said in the offseason, like it's not like I was like, you know, breaking new ground. Like they have two fast as hell guys, uh, you know, yeah. at, at receiver. And I want to see how this all like works out, like how it changes the ge geometry of how you play defense against this team. Because obviously if you have two field tilt tilting players, that makes things very difficult for the defense, you know, because you cannot yeah. zero in on either of these guys. And I think, you know, Tyreek, and Waddle have both proven that they're high, high-level players with incredible breakaway speed. They both can get yards after the catch. They both can create separation. Again, it just makes things difficult on a defense. And we've seen, like, in the in the years past, we've seen, like, with Tyreek and Kelsey, like, the, the problems they can cause defense. Uh, now you have a very different version of it with Tyreek and Waddle. So, um, and in this offense, and with this quarterback who, you know, coming into the NFL, like, the things I loved about him, quick processor, very decisive, Gets the gets hits his back foot, gets rid of the ball. Like he's passing, like he, he's his time to throw is low. Like I don't know, have it in front of me. It's like one of the lower time to throws in the NFL, but he's also passing deep. It's like an interesting yes. combination where Brady, he's like the Tom Brady yes. combo. Yeah. Yes. And so um, <laughs> you know, it's just a really fun offense to watch. So I, I'm it's fun to see kind of like what I pictured in my mind, the theoretical like version of what this offense could be coming to fruition. So uh, this is just a great game. Again, like, like you said, there's a lot of really fun games on the schedule this week. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, I, I wasn't sure about it. Like, I needed to see it with McDaniel as a head coach and a schemer. Yep. And man, he's been awesome. Uh, I needed to see it with... Tua, I needed to see that. I was just like, Tyreek Hill's going to go from Mahomes and Andy Reid and I still know. be as happy and as yeah. productive. I don't think so. Oh, well, I was wrong. I mean, he's having a career year and uh, their offense looks really good. So that is going to be a fun matchup. All right. Those are our predictions, our predictions for what we're going to be talking about Monday morning. We'll come back in a second and we'll get to a couple of your mailbag questions. Football fans make every Thursday one to remember with a no-sweat, same-game parlay from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. All customers can get free bets back if your NFL same-game parlay doesn't hit. Same-game parlays are the perfect way to combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payday. Let's see. I like the Bills minus three and a half. I like the over 43 and a half a little bit. And how about a Gabe Davis anytime touchdown. You can build your own or choose from one of the popular SGPs pre-built for you in FanDuel's top-rated sportsbook app. FanDuel is also now live in Maryland. Marylanders, make sure you get in on the action also with great offers boosts just for you. 
Just sign up with promo code Ringer NFL if you don't already have an account. That's promo code Ringer NFL to get free bets back if your SGP doesn't hit. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. 21 plus in select states, three plus legs, minimum $1 bet required. Refund issued as non withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after receipt. Max free bet $5. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. 1 800 Next Step or text Next Step to 5. 3342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit www.mdgamblinghelp.com dot org in Maryland one eight seven seven eight Hope N Y or text Hope N Y four six seven three six nine in New York one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming or visit www.1800gambler.net in West Virginia. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. There's no better feeling than a personal win, and the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Want to be more active this summer? Sierra helps you save on everything from swimsuits to stand-up paddle boards, tennis rackets to fishing tackle. And if that doesn't float your boat, we also have pool floats. Sierra, let's get moving to your local store, like now. Go! If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. At participating McDonald's. All right, we're back. Let's get to the mailbag. A reminder, you can email us at the scrambled mailbag at gmail.com or just uh, tweet at me. I, I I check my mentions for now. You know, that might not continue uh, forever. But uh, so email might be better. Uh, you know, people are much nicer when they email you. It's more also, civilized. You know? Yeah, it's more civilized. They got to take the time to open up their Gmail or email app or whatever. Yeah. And they, they have an address there. It's not a random name. So I like the emails more. So appreciate everyone using that. All right. The first one was from Bridget. And uh, Bridget was funny because she admitted to rambling uh, in her email, kind of like a stream of consciousness. But Mm. the gist of it is that the Seahawks played the Rams two times in the last six weeks. And so this is a tricky scenario. So on one hand, you want, she's a Seahawks fan. She wants the Seahawks to win games because then Mm -hmm. the Seahawks get in the playoffs. And that would be fun. As we talked about, it's fun when your team is in the playoffs. On the other hand, she wants that Broncos pick to be as high as possible. And so if the Rams win games, then that's better for the Broncos can jump up above them. Because right now that the Rams have the third overall pick that goes to the Lions. The Broncos have the fourth overall pick that goes to the Seahawks. So basically she's, she's wondering, do I root for playoff positioning or do I root for <laughs> draft positioning or do I root for Nia? Like, what do I do here? And you yeah. are obviously the perfect person to have on to a- answer this question. So help bridge it out. Well, while I understand the, you know, like the, the theory or, or the logic and like trying to 
let the Rams or I guess I guess like make the Rams <laughs> pick worse and then therefore move up Denver. Uh, yes. Sorry, do move Denver's pick up higher. I think there's just like there's too many moving parts here. I think you just got to root for the Seahawks to go to the playoffs. Um, you know, you you got to root for the Seahawks to win number one because I do think they are a good enough team to kind of like play spoiler. Um, yeah. Their defense has really kind of fallen off the last few weeks. It makes me worried about that. Um, but to me, they have a good enough offense to if they get to the playoffs, especially in <clears throat> what's been like a pretty wide open NFC. You know, play spoiler. I don't know. They're not necessarily. I would definitely not put them among like the Super Bowl favorites or anything like that. Um, but you know, when they get going, they have enough skill, uh, enough star power at the skill positions to make some noise. I think. And so, you know, you go back to like 2010 when the Seahawks got it, snuck into the playoffs at seven and nine, came in, they got a home game because they were the division winner, and they beat the Saints in what, what what turned out to be like one of the all-time great Seahawks games. Like it's one of the most memorable games I can remember as a Seahawks fan. Um, yeah. You know, the Beast Quake, and so. I don't want to. I, I think the theoretical thought of like moving up one spot or two spots or whatever it ends up being, and like we don't even really know like how the draft order is going to all shake out. It's like there's so many moving parts. I think you just got to root for the Seahawks to win, and you know the rest will kind of take care of itself. So it's like the, I don't think there's enough. You just not like a tank for Trevor kind of situation here, where it's like there's a generational player that's going to be at X spot that we have to get to the third pick to get this guy. Like, I think that there's so many just like different uh, scenarios that could play out that it's too hard to like worry about that. And I got to plan it out at this point. Does that make sense? Yeah. I love, I love Bryce Young. Uh, he's like my guy for, you know, I have the uneducated, uh, mostly draft takes where I'm just watching college football and I'm like, oh, this I'm guy's with you. awesome. I, you know, I'm with you. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, <laughs> so I love, but, but to get Bryce Young, I mean, now like that's not the difference between four and three, you know, that's the difference probably might be between four and one, right. um, in right. the draft. So yeah, I'm listen, the, the fun seasons don't come along often and the best seasons are the ones that come out of nowhere when you have no expectations. I mean, the Seahawks had what an over under like Vegas win total of five and a half, six, something yeah. like that. Yeah, before the season. I think it was five and a half, yeah. Five and a half. And uh, I thought they were going to stink and they delivered a really fun season. They've slipped up a little, but I'm, yep. I still believe in the offense. I mean, even last week that came against the Raiders, like that fumble is a self-inflicted mistake where if, they, you know, yes. Gino to Kenneth Walker, if they don't fumble that ball, uh, they might still win that game. I mean, it still went to overtime, even though the defense was getting carved up. And so it's a young, you know, they've got young players. That's the thing with the seed. Like there's going to be ups and downs. Like I, I probably got a little carried away a month ago, but you know, I was like, oh my gosh, they've got tackles and corner. Everybody's a rookie and they're all playing awesome. And it's like, all right, it's a long season. There's going to be some ups and downs and like, that's okay. Uh, I still think they're going to make the playoffs. I absolutely think they're going to beat out either the Giants or Commanders or both. I think they've got a fun offense and I'm with you. I mean, they could absolutely win a playoff game. If you told me they're sort of like, um, a little Bengalsy from last year and make like the NFC championship. <laughs> like that wouldn't be shocking. Yeah. You know, I think you've yeah. got the Eagles, Cowboys and 49ers, at least I do on like one tier in the NFC as the, as the favorites to get to the Super Bowl. But these aren't like juggernauts. Like you're not playing, you know, Patrick Mahomes uh, and Josh Allen. Like you don't have to beat both those guys. You're in the NFC. So yeah, I would say I'm with Danny. I would say Bridget root for the Seahawks to win. And listen, Part of fandom is some like emotional hedging and rationalizing. So in the off chance that they do lose, well, now you can say to your friends, hey, at least, the you know, worst we got thing. The, yeah, at least you got the draft pick, but you don't necessarily have to root for that. I All think right. to add to, real quick, just to add to that, what you had said is the other thing I think does make sense for them to try and 
not not like they would try and lose, but like I do think it would be beneficial that if they finish strong, go to the playoffs. It's like you're building a culture. This is a new young yes. team. Like this is a young team. Most of the veterans have been shipped off. Like last year, obviously they sh- or at the beginning of the, the season they shipped off Bobby Wagner. You know they've moved on from a lot of like the the hardcore longtime Seahawks. Like there's just not very many guys from the old era of Pete Carroll left on this team. And so having this new foundation where if they they're this new up-and-coming team. There's a lot of confidence. There's a lot of, like, you know, like, Pete Carroll has always been about, like, program building confidence, building, like, visualizing, um, you know, just, like, it's all... He's very... Belie- he's, like, a guru. Like, he's, like, the Phil Jackson guru-like style coach. Like, he believes yeah. in, like, visualization and all that stuff. Messaging and, like, all that stuff, like, matters in, in building this, like, the, f- the foundation of this team. So I think, you know, if they do finish strong, like that's going to be a bigger deal than like one or two picks like difference and like where they end up in the draft kind of deal. You know what I mean? The other thing that yeah. I will mention is the Seahawks have sucked against the Rams historically. Mm-hmm. Like eight of the last, I'm looking at their history here. The Rams have beaten the Seahawks uh, eight of the last 10 games. <laughs> they, they just like, it's mm-hmm. like, they're kind of like their Achilles heel. So yeah, like it might be kind of nice West thing where one yeah, team like, beats another team. Yeah. The Rams beat the Seahawks. The Seahawks beat the 49ers and the 49ers beat up on the Rams, I believe. Like, I can't, yeah. re- there's like a circular like thing. Yeah. I, th- I could be getting it wrong. I apologize if I am. But um, yeah, like the Seahawks just cannot, they just can't get over the hump with the Rams. Obviously, the Rams are like all their star players are out now. So, like, it wouldn't really be the big difference, but it might be nice to kind of like get that monkey off their back and finally trying to like, you know, stack a few wins against the Rams. I think it'd be good, honestly. So, yeah. And even when the Rams sucked and the Seahawks were awesome, like I remember I covered the team in two, the first game I covered in 2015 when I was on the Seahawks beat, they were in St. Louis to Seriously. play that crappy Rams team and they lost in overtime. And then I, I learned at that point, oh, the Rams just always sort of muddy up these games against them and it's yes. the Seahawks never blow them out, right? It's styles make fights. Um, styles make fights. And for whatever reason, going back to like the, basically the entire P. Carroll era, even when like the Rams were one of the worst teams in the NFL, they would yeah. always give the Seahawks problems. It would be like come down to the last play every single game. Um, and so like, yeah, I mean, if you look even further back, like the last time... The Seahawks did sort of dominate in that 2012-2013 era uh, when they were just so, so good. But, like, otherwise, the Rams have been, like, just, like, consistently beating the Seahawks um, yeah. ever since. And so um, it might just be nice to kind of, like, get get off get off that, like, pattern where they just, like, maybe, like, just, like, whatever. They change their belief a little bit and feel like they can beat this team. Yeah. Yeah, I believe in the Seahawks uh, this week. That Rams team, like you said, they just have nobody. I mean, it would be amazing if they uh, hung around, which weird things happen in the NFL. That's why we watch. But uh, I like the Seahawks big in that game. All right, last question. T-Waz. I mean, this was another long one. I mean, some of you are really putting in the time for these emails. I mean, wow, impressive. Now, he asks, uh, are the Packers the worst team-building failure in recent NFL history. Uh, he admits <laughs> he admits obviously there are worse teams, but this is a team that plans to contend for a title. Here's the plan based off of the last four years or so of how they've spent their resources. Uh, one, Rodgers will carry the offense regardless of the talent around him. One A, wide receiver talent doesn't matter because he'll throw people open. Two, mm. uh, they'll instead spend on an elite defense. Three, they want a power running game and shut down the run to win in cold playoff games. Uh, and they got punked by San Francisco multiple times uh, and were tired of it. And so uh, he goes on (laughs) 
even further and, uh, you know, finishes it with uh, their mediocre uh, running team, uh, mediocre run team with nobody who can get open on big downs. Their defense plays bend but don't break and often breaks. And they just had the worst game against the run since before everybody at the ringer was born. Yeah, that even, we're the old guys. I guess that even includes us. Uh, Before we were born, yeah. (laughs) So uh, he asks, could this be going any worse for them? Uh, I can start with this one. I don't know that it's the worst team-building failure in recent NFL history. I mean, there have been a lot of uh, bad, bad teams, but Look at the Broncos. Yeah, yeah, that's true. (laughs) Just look look at the Broncos. But I agree that if you're a Packers fan, like, should be pretty furious uh, about mm. this, in my opinion, just because this it's not a lot of hindsight. You know, it's not like, oh, you're saying right. that now. No, like, I mean, I was saying, others were saying, at the, if you trade Devontae Adams, and I understand he wanted to be traded, you need to have a better plan than what they had. And I'm not saying they needed to go full Rams, but they definitely needed to go in that direction where we have an old quarterback. We just signed him to this monster deal. We need to contend for Super Bowls right now and that's not what they did they took a more patient approach they're building mm-hmm. on the defense their defense still sucks you know they they got no yep. uh schematic advantage defensively and uh, i just feel like they needed to pour the resources into that offense one way or another whether i was thinking during that eagles packers game what if the packers made that aj brown trade that the eagles yeah. made yeah i mean we might be talking about them as a Super Bowl contender this year. I know they've had other issues. I know Rodgers hasn't played well and they've had O-line issues, but guess what? We're seeing it with Tyreek Hill and AJ Brown and I'm probably missing three other, you know, with Justin Jefferson, like a wide receiver like that makes a big, big, big freaking difference and solves yes. a lot of those other problems that you have. And so just to go into the season, I know Christian Watson, it, it, it's been great to watch him the last three weeks. You can see the talent, but dude, we're, it's December 1st. Like (laughs) this needed to happen in September. So I agree with your overall frustration and you should be furious. You should be angry. Uh, I wouldn't go as far as to say it's the worst team building (laughs) failure in recent NFL history, but I do like the take. Yeah. I'm with you exactly pretty much in, in lockstep on that. I think, you know, like you said, it's not, it's not hindsight, uh, analysis. Like we were saying this during the off season. I think the one thing I think maybe the one thing that's been the most clear for me this year, like if there was one theme that I could pick out, and this is coming especially from like a fantasy perspective, is how important receivers are. Like to me, I, I guess I just didn't realize quite how important a game-changing playmaker at receiver can really be for an offense in particular for a quarterback you know and so there's this uh, we have a running joke on the ringer fantasy football show that's like if you've seen arrested development there's a scene where he's like got a dead dove in a bag job has a dead dove in a bag and he labels it dead dove do not eat michael opens it and he's like i don't know what i expected it's a dead dove and so (laughs) this is the what were the packers expecting when they trade away Devontae adams like they expect the offense to be good still. Like this is like the most important player in your offense, not named Aaron Rodgers, you know? And so, um, yeah, like trading away a superstar receiver and not really doing anything to like, like make it any better, just basically going along with the rest of the plan. You cannot depend on a rookie receiver. I'm sorry, especially a second rounder. It's great if they pan out, but you can't depend on that as like your plan A. And that's essentially what they did. Like Alan Lazard, I think is a good role player. Again, they've had injuries, all that stuff goes into the the you know the analysis it's like they've had a little bit of bad luck too but um 
But yeah, I mean, we've been kind of yelling at this team for years, like they need to like invest in receiver. And then instead yeah. of re- investing in receiver, they did do that, but like they trade away their best receiver and then, you know, sort of half-ass it in, the, in, in like fixing the, or like replacing him. And so, yeah, I mean, I think it's, this is like, what did you expect to happen? This is exactly what we expected would happen and it did happen and not good planning. Yeah. We'll see what happens with them the rest of the way. We'll see where Rodgers is playing in 2023. If it's Green Bay, if it's not Green Bay. I'll tell you what, uh, it was only, what, two possessions? But I was like, ooh, okay, Jordan Love. You've, you've yeah. got, uh, I see the arm. I see he's making quick decisions. Uh, he, he was pretty fun in that very small sample where if I was a Packers fan, I'd kind of be like, Aaron, you know, take got. your time coming back from that injury. Yeah, let's uh, let's you know you're you're not making the playoffs this year, barring uh, a miracle. Let's see a little bit about what Jordan Love has to offer. But it, it sounds like Rodgers, at least as of this recording, uh, is going to try to play or give it a go, and he will be the starter against Chicago. All right, that will do it for this episode. Uh, Danny, what do you what do you want to anything to plug on the uh, Ringer side written video audio? What do you got coming up? Yeah, so check out the Ringer Fantasy Football show. We have that three no, four times a week. We are going to be re- scaling back and starting the NFL draft, the Ringer NFL draft show, I think nice. in 2 weeks from now. So look for that. We're going to start ramping up draft coverage. We're going to have the NFL uh, draft guide coming up, I think not for like a month or two, but we're, we're getting, you know, we're doing the work on that now. Um, so yeah, we're, we're kind of like transitioning a little bit from fantasy, obviously the fantasy playoffs just around the bend, but we're going to start doing a bunch of draft coverage too. So uh, really excited about that. There you go. That'll be awesome. Thank you to Danny Kelly for joining me. Thank you to Mike Wargon for producing additional production supervision by Connor Nevins and Arjuna Ramgopal. Stay tuned for the Ringer NFL preview show on this feed on Friday. Then Sunday, you'll get the recap show. And then I will be back Monday with Ben Solak for Extra Point Taken. Everybody enjoy the games this weekend and we will talk to you next week.